If you are in your 20s hoping there is more to life than boys and Bacardi, you are in the right place. Katie Ballmer has been a keynote speaker to over 60 colleges nationwide, encouraging 20-somethings to realize their worth, find their calling, and not date dirtbags. But seriously, Katie is an author, viral TikTok creator, wife, mom of two girls, and your adopted aunt that you never knew how bad you needed. Ready to have some real conversation tackling the hottest topics? This is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. Hello, today we are going to talk about healthy communications with my new friend, Karen Hardwick. She is a psychotherapist turned nationally renowned leadership consultant. You have been featured on ESPN, like Turner Broadcasting. You have done so many things, work with incredible companies on this idea of connection. Like, tell me about how you got to doing what you're doing now. Yeah, it has been quite the journey. If somebody had told me when I was in seminary that I would wind up being a leadership consultant, I would have looked at them as if they had two heads. However, I have the most amazing best job in the world because my clients are these wonderful human beings who recognize, like I do, that honestly, Katie, we are not leaders having a leadership crisis. We are leaders, wherever it is that we lead, having a human being and spiritual crisis. So that's what I do. I help people navigate this really tricky landscape that we're in right now. When leaders, whether you're a leader in the pulpit or in a Bible study or in a sorority, wherever you are leading, wherever you have people entrusted to your care, my belief is that we can't lead anyone until we learn to connect with and lead ourselves. Yes. Okay. I love this. And I think that a lot of our listeners, you know, young women, and they might be thinking, oh, well, someone else is a leader. Someone else is more qualified. Mm. Someone else. But as you said, they're, they're leaders with their peer group, perhaps in their sorority, perhaps in their clubs, perhaps in their, in their office, in their working environment. I wonder if you can maybe just talk to the girl with self-doubt, like, oh, I'm just 22. Oh, I'm just, I'm not a leader, but you are like, what do you say to, to that kind of that kind of mindset. Yeah. What I would say is if only you are connecting with yourself, you are a leader. We have so much impact on the world around us. It could be having coffee with somebody. It could be what you say or don't say in a classroom. It could be just how you show up and someone is watching you, we have such amazing impact on people. And I think we have to step into that. We Mm -hmm. matter. That's what I would like people to know. You matter. You are Mm -hmm. having an impact. Yeah. That's so good. And then when people get into these leadership positions, it's almost kind of like going through the motions or doing what quote everyone else has been done. Like, empowering a leader, no matter what that looks like, like you said, even if it's just yourself, maybe just some psychology around you are the one entrusted to lead. You are the one voted or chosen or whatever it is. You're in this position and lead without fear. Yeah, it's scary. I mean, it's scary. So I don't want to say we have to do it without fear. I think we have to do it recognizing the fear Even I, who've been at this for so long, working with really senior level leaders and their teams, I have to tell you, everyone is afraid. So that's Mm. kind of what I would like people in their 20s to know. It's okay to be afraid. I'm going to tell this really cool story where I was terrified. Can I do that? Yes, Um, please. okay, Okay. So I was in Montana with my son and two of his friends, all on the verge of 20 or in their 20s. 
And they were doing all the boy stuff. They were jumping off the cliff into the river and I was watching them. And it was this beautiful expression of just joy. So my son came over to me. I was sitting by the river watching them. And he said, come on, let's go. And honestly, Katie, I thought he meant, let's get back on the ATVs. What he meant was, mom, you are going to jump. And what I said to him was like, Matthew, like, I am certainly not a daredevil. My mom felt like we were going to kill ourselves if we were driving our bikes in the driveway. So I was really not raised to be a daredevil. Now, we were with a family friend. And Mark grabbed me by the arm as I found myself, Katie, following my son through this river to climb the cliff to jump off the cliff. Mark grabbed me by the arm and he said, Karen, how you handle your fear while you're up on that cliff will matter to your son. He is going to learn an awful lot. So I'm hoping that people in their 20s can listen to this because I got up on this cliff 30 feet above the river, Katie. 30 feet. That's high. Yeah. And I was on this cliff crying because I was terrified. I was absolutely clearly convinced that when I hit the water, I was going to die. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Tears coming down my face. And then all of a sudden, Katie, everything got so quiet. And I said to my son, I can't let go. And he said, you have to. And it was at that very moment, I didn't jump. It felt like the invisible hands lifted me up. I found myself in the air. I landed in the water. I surfaced. I went to shore. And all to say, as Matthew's screaming at me, Mom, it wasn't pretty, but you did it. (laughs) All all to say, yeah, that's fear. How do we feel the fear? How do we let go? And in that moment, the invisible hands kick in and something magical and spiritual happens. Oh, that's so good. And I'm thinking about those pivotal years that our listeners are going through buying a house for the first time, getting into a relationship, um, a new job. These are big, scary similar you're on this rope i know i can't let go what do i do and that's fear and and i love um, one of my favorite sayings being brave is being scared to death but moving forward anyways and in that instance you were brave even though you were scared to death that's okay you did the dang thing yeah and as my as my son said it wasn't pretty but you did it (laughs) okay I think that that's how pretty much my whole life, like everything, having this conversation on this podcast, my first few episodes, they were pretty, but we did it, you know, and then, and then you learn as with anything, um, holding a microphone, doing a dance, whatever it may be, social media, it may not be pretty, but you, but you do it and then you learn and you get better and you learn and you get better. Yeah. And the people around us are watching and they don't need it to be beautiful. Like my son will tell that story of me jumping off that cliff constantly And he didn't need for me to have this beautiful swan dive off this cliff. So the people who are watching us want to know we're just willing to do it. What a great analogy. And I'm wondering if maybe you can talk to us. I know you work with like high level executives and people who are the outside world may think like, oh, these people are brave or these people are got it. And these people are smart. What do you find in the practice of doing that and helping executives like doing connection and doing leadership and all the work that you do, like what are some common conversations you have? 
Great question, because I think we have to kind of pull back the curtain and realize that people who are on the stage, people who have big titles, people who we look at who are flying, you know, high, for instance, they are just human beings. So a, a couple of weeks ago, I had a CEO call me and say, I am feeling numb. And by looking at this CEO, you would think they've got it. They've got it made. And so it's so important for the leaders that I work with to realize you too are just another bozo on the bus. We're all just bozos on the bus, yeah. making mistakes, feeling numb at time, doing things that are scary that we don't feel equipped to do. And so part of my job as a guide, Katie, is to use my own story and to help people realize that whatever it is that they're feeling and going through, let's just put that out on the table. And once people start peeling back the layers and seeing themselves as a human being, as somebody in human school, we can start to unpeel the defense mechanisms that get in their way. So a lot of my job is helping people uncover their very truest self, recognize the mistakes they've made, figuring out what keeps them stuck, wondering why they are feeling numb and what we can do to awaken so you no longer feel numb. What are the, what are the patterns that keep us in the rut? And how are we oftentimes our own worst enemy? Girl, preach to that. For sure. I mean, we are all, we are all our own worst enemy. That's so true. I guess I'm curious because I think that, you know, I've certainly struggled with that. I'm sure our listeners have that voices in your head become louder or do you think people get stronger and ignore that? I don't know. I'm curious if that is just a human condition or if it somehow gets better or worse. Yeah. I think it all depends on the amount of courage we are willing to invest in this process yeah. I call self-discovery. So here's what I know from my own life, I mean, from my own hot mess life and from watching other people and having the privilege of working with so many folks, whatever it is that we are not dealing with, Katie, the stuff deep inside goes into the basement, works out with weights and gets stronger. So that's my oh, invitation, good. right? We don't want the stuff in the basement working out with weights and getting stronger because it will win. Whatever the stuff is, secrets we're carrying around, unresolved trauma, grief, loss, feelings of unworthiness, like am I good enough? Whatever addictions, whatever it is, let's put it out in the light of day and find trusted guides, whoever those trusted guides are, to help us deal with it. And that's the self-discovery process that is so important, that separates people who are living a messy and amazing life from those people who are living a messy life that they just don't know how to get out of. Hey friends, I hope you're loving this conversation as much as I am. I want to let you know for the month of October only, I'm offering discounted mentoring. So you can book a time with me. I have my calendar available and you pick any time that works for you. And we set up a time to chat for only $29. And that also gives you the link to 
unlimited discounted mentoring. So if you like what we talked about, want to check in with me in a week, in a month or whatever, you can continue to do that for that $29 price. Used to be only exclusive to people who have booked me in the past. That is for you if we have had a conversation before or for anyone out there, discounted mentoring for October only. I hope that you check out the link right under here in these show notes and we can have a little coffee date. But seriously, it's really not that complicated. You just pick a time that works for you on my calendar. And at that time, I call you and we talk and it could be about anything. Usually it's about boys, but sometimes it's about finding your calling. Sometimes it's about just what you want to do when you grow up. Whatever it is, I want to be your adopted big sister. That is what I live for, being who I needed when I was younger. So check it out. This month is a great discount. So the link will be there for you in the show notes. I want to kind of talk about switching gears with connection and your book, The Connected Leader. There's so much when it comes to connections and relationships. I'm curious kind of your behind the scenes of how this book became to be. Ah, yeah. I wrote this book because (laughs) I run like crazy to anything about healthy connections. And I do that because I have had many a season in my life, Katie where I had disconnection, disconnected from myself, disconnected from healthy relationships. We are neurobiologically wired to connect. We need connections like we need water and air. And if we don't believe in ourselves enough to find healthy connections, we find unhealthy connections, right? We are drawn to people to whom we feel like, well, I'll settle for this or this is better than nothing. So my big invitation to people is, how can you connect deeply to yourself? I grew up as a child of a mother who was diagnosed with a terminal illness when I was 10. And so at that Mm -hmm. moment, what I learned was I was going to save her, Katie. No matter what I had to Mm -hmm. do, I was going to be her superhero and she was going to live because I couldn't deal with the thought of what it would be like if she didn't. Well, she didn't. And as a young adult, I ran around looking for people to save. There was tremendous Mm -hmm. disconnection inside of me because of that very complicated grief and trauma. And I was disconnected from myself, carrying around all this grief. So I looked to save people, but here's the problem with saving people. No one wants to be saved. No one wants to be saved. Mm. No one wants to be fixed. No one wants to be rescued. We all have to walk our own journey and we can only raise the flag of please help me when we're ready. So I spent all these years putting on my superhero cape, trying to save people to prove my own worthiness and lovability because I was carrying around so much unresolved grief about my mother's sickness and about her death. So that was a very long season of disconnection for me. All kinds of messiness happened as a result of that. And once I could stop and say, wait, something is really not working, that's when I dove into how can I find healthy connections? And it started with a healthy self-connection. I was going to ask you to unpack that more because a hundred percent, I think that you said you want to save people, but people didn't want to be saved. I hear that a lot when I do mentoring for young women, it's like, uh, well, I can fix him or, um, you know, (laughs) 
well, that's it really thinking you can fix someone. Yes. Both of our eyes are like, no, 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 no. no. Right. You can't. And you probably tried that too. It sounds like, tell me, yeah. Tell me your expertise advice on that. Oh yeah. I mean, not only did I try it, I married it because I thought, you know, I, right. I think what we do is we say to ourselves, well, this person has never been loved. Like I'm going to love this Mm -hmm. person. I'm going to just be so amazing that they're going to find out how worthy they are. They're going to address whatever it is that's getting in the way because I'm so amazing. But we're saying all of that when we really don't believe that we're worthy, that we're not all those things. Mm -hmm. So we're looking for our worthiness in an outside solution in someone else. And people simply don't want to be fixed. Now, they might come to a point in their life where they have an epiphany, but that's on them. That's not because of me or you or some other beautiful young woman. It's just not going to happen that way. No, 100%. I always say um, there's only one savior and it is not the name of your boyfriend. (laughs) And you're not theirs either. And you're not it either. And he hung on a cross and that is the only savior. Yes. Amen to all of that. And and I think the most important thing is he's not your savior, whoever he is, and you're not his. Idea of missionary dating, like it's it's not a thing. It's such a disastrous idea, and and it's also like the savior complex. Like it's also silly to think that that's our role. Like we're we're a flawed human. They're a flawed human. Yes, we can encourage each other. Yes, we can cheer each other on. That's great. That's this human connection. That's a beautiful thing. But especially in a dating relationship. We can't save each other. Well, we can't. And I'm an Enneagram too. And my picture should really be by an Enneagram too, because I had this really almost, hmm, I can say this now. I didn't know it then. Almost this self-righteous feeling that I was more important in people's lives than I really was because I had this Hmm. low self-esteem that came from this unresolved grief. And it took just a lot of work and a lot of loving people to bring me out of that and, and, and the grace of God, right? Like, you know, when I first started to show up and really relate to God in this relationship, it was kind of like he was saying to me, now, what took you so long? I've been here waiting. Right. Yeah. I think about that often, how, you know, really like the picture of a good and loving father of um, wanting what's best for our children, but a gentleman and not forcing it on us. Yes. And sometimes we're just so hard headed and we're like, nope, I want to do it my way. He's like, okay, here we go. Well, I, I like to say that Jesus r- rides shotgun with me, but he gets into the car and literally very lovingly, but literally rolls his eyes. Like Karen, it has been a yeah. wild ride. Yeah. It's like, really? You're going to turn right. You know, that's the wrong way. Okay. Yep. You're determined. All right, here we go. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, in it, positive, you know, kind of flipping the coin. Yes. We're not people savior and we shouldn't do missionary dating, but obviously connections, there's obviously incredible truth and good and amazing things that can happen with these connections. So maybe flipping that script a little bit and talking about this post COVID world, this generation that has grown up with connecting through a device and maybe just some groundwork to what does it even look like to have healthy connections? How do we start to build and rebuild this conversation, these connections, friendships, relationships. I'm sure you have a lot to say, and I would love to hear it all. 
Well, I'll start slowly and then and then you and I can just chat about it. Okay. So it's Perfect. so I'm not lecturing, but we're just chatting. One of the most important things I think we can do is a practice I call chasing slow. And that is literally living in a much more mindful, grateful way. So in order for me to chase slow, I have a a really long morning prayer and meditation time. It's when I just sit, of course, with my coffee and do all the things I need to do to ground myself, Katie, because how we do the morning is how we do the day. And if we want this life of connection to ourself and to God and to healthy other people in our lives, we have to spend time with ourselves in the morning. Mm. And Jesus meets me there. There he is. And I can listen for his whispers and there's guidance. And there's this beautiful, loving sense of humility where I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, I need help. I need help. And humility is a loving thing. And so, yeah, chasing slow is so important because again, as I said, how we do the morning is how we do the day. And that has been one of the most healing anchors for me as I look for connection, deep, healing, healthy connections, joyful ones in my life. So that's number one. That's what I would really suggest people think about in terms of what could work for them. I love it. And I love it that you keep coming back to, we can't expect healthy relationships with others if we don't first have that with ourselves and with our creator. So that's so foundational. It is. It's made all the difference for me. So whether we're leading at home or in the sorority house or wherever we are, or we have this big aspiration for a big career or we have a big career. Yeah. Self-connection is where it's at. So the other thing that I think is super important, at least for me, and I throw it out there, if it works for other people, it's, it's really a lovely thing. It's the power of the table. Okay. The power of the table. So I grew up in a very, let's get around the table. Let's have a meal kind of family. And there's not a lot of money, but my mother always managed to create this abundant sense at the table. It was kind of fishes and loaves many times, but there was still the, the, the whole idea of the table is embedded in my DNA. And it's one of the most special, powerful times in my life right now. I love cooking for people. I love having people around the table because it's such a moment of connection. It's a spiritual act. So think about it. We sit around the table, there's some kind of food, and there we have communion. And then we tell Mm -hmm. our stories, and that's liturgy. And we come together and we do this beautiful thing, and that's redemption and restoration. So I can't underscore enough the power of the table. It could be a car table. It doesn't have to be a big fancy dining room table. It could be a table in a coffee shop. But the power of the table brings us together. Oh, that's so good. I'm literally taking notes and I just wrote down, invite people over for dinner. Yes, inv- <laughs> and cook something. It doesn't have to be fancy. There's so many. Sim- I love the slow cooker because easy, put it in, leave it alone. And it's also for me, Katie, a metaphor for life. 
we need life as a slow cooker. We need time to heal, to have all of our things marry together and to create this yummy life. The microwave, not so much. It's quick, it's easy, right. it's not necessarily nutritious, right? So life, ooh, right. life as a slow yeah. cooker, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think about where we slow, we, we had people over for dinner a lot more regularly and we still do here. I think it's just also coming back to intention. You know, people aren't going to knock on my doorstep who are potentially my best friends and we're like, Hey, do you have dinner ready? Like, you know what I mean? It's just, it takes, Hey, I met you at church. You, we seem like you're, you're a nice family. We'd like to get to know you more. What are you doing on Thursday? Like, and then maybe they're busy Thursday been showing up again and consistently not getting your feelings hurt because they're happen to be busy the first two times you invite them. Like, that's okay. But I, I love this. We had a guest a while back in the first season of the podcast talking about this, the power of the table. And it's such a great reminder because I 100% agree with you. There's a lot of power there. Oh, absolutely. And the other thing that we can do is pay attention to the little nudges the spirit gives us. That means we have to be silent. It also means we can't brush it aside and say, well, that doesn't make sense. I'll give you an example. So this morning I was in my prayer time and I just had this feeling to send a link to a song I've been listening to, to a dear friend of mine. So the song, I mean, this is so beautiful for young women, is called Belovedness by Sarah Kroger. And if you haven't listened to it, Katie, like listen to it. So I sent, okay. I sent this link to a friend of mine and she texted me back and she said, how did you know this is the most beautiful song that has ever been sent to me at the right moment? Mm-hmm. And I just said, thank you, God, for the, for the message to do it, but also that I wasn't so stubborn that I didn't listen to his whispering. And I was able to say to my friend, you know, look, I sent it to you because I needed it too. Like I need to be reminded that I'm beloved. So pay attention to those little nudges we get. I I love this. And this is all like, you know, creating those deeper connections. Something that I hear often, as you can imagine, on social media with young women trying to meet people, um, especially romantic, there's this... um, making small talk that it's like we forgot how or something. And I'm sure there's tips and tricks. And and so what I encourage girls is like, if you think about who you want to meet when it comes to dating specifically, where do they go? Go there, hang out, like go to church, go to the gym, go to run a 5k. Like if that's interest you, obviously go wherever you think your ideal person, but you can't just be quiet and stay in the corner. Like sometimes small talk leads to, of course, these dinner tables and in this beautiful connection. But anyway, are there tips and tricks or like pointers you have for just creating that small talk? Mm. Wow. That question kind of took me by surprise. I am am really not good at small talk. I'm like, can we talk about something really important? Uh, (laughs) Tell me your deep, dark secrets. (laughs) However, I think that small talk is just this ability to say, I see you. It could be just asking a few questions about somebody in in a gentle way so that, of course, they don't feel like you're putting them on the hot seat. What would you like people to know about you? And I think that's always a good way to get started. Like, you know, I would like people to ask me about my work, maybe the book, my son, 
you know, what I like to do in my spare time, why I love Montana so much. So what do we want to be asked? And can we find our way to small talk by turning that on, turning the table, so to speak, on somebody else? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that, I, I haven't thought about that way. That That's a good idea. And I think that sometimes we just overthink things so much. It's just about like, oh, sure is hot today. Hey, I like your shirt. You know, like just little things that also lead to getting to know other people. I think that we somehow forget that um, we're all just craving connection. And something else he said that really stood out to me is we need connection like we need water. Like it is a biological human need. And that is something that we have forgotten or just pretended like we're okay with. And then we see the the mental health struggles after COVID, how we were like isolated and everything. Um, I want to just talk about that a little more because there's a lot of people, oh, I'm fine. I don't really need a lot of friends, but you do. And you need to have those connections. So yeah, I'd love to hear more. Yeah. I, I am just heartbroken by what we're seeing in the world these days and the uptick in violence, addiction, addiction, one out of every three households is dealing with addiction. And I'm in recovery. So I am all about the brutal wreckage that addiction can leave and also the beautiful recovery that can happen. And then we have depression and we have anxiety and suicide. And look, connection is not some kind of magic wand, but I do believe, and I've seen it, that disconnection is contributing to these things and that we are truly going through a spiritual crisis. We are wired to connect and research coming out of Columbia, thanks to Lisa Miller and her team also show us, Katie, that we are wired to have a transcendent spiritual experience. She calls it the awakened brain. So we are wired not just for connection, but we're wired to have a spiritual experience. And I do believe we're coming out of a really hard season and we do need connection to ourselves, to God, to others, and to just hold that all lightly. Because as I said earlier, unhealthy connections are not what we're after. So how can we step into our worthiness? How can we be? And I think that gratitude is a really important superpower. The more grateful that we are, the more life seems to open up to us. So as we go through our days, gratitude is a way to experience connection. Like I can be really grateful, and I am, for just being here with you right now. And when I go later to have a cup of coffee with a friend, that's an amazing experience. We don't have to have these, like these Disney World experiences. Every day we're connecting to the sacred by the ordinary moments. And that helps us to feel like I am rooted in in a meaningful connection. I love this. And you're absolutely right about the power of gratitude. Also, we're having similar days because I just got done having coffee with a friend. So yeah, it's so beautiful. What's beautiful is we can be mindful in the moment and think, you know, I am just right here right now. That's good. Um, Something else I want you to maybe unpack is we crave these healthy relationships, obviously. And, but the there's very damaging when we have these unhealthy relationships. You talked a little bit about your personal experience and then, but 
is there a way to know the difference? The the ir- irony is, and I'm sure you can attest, like sometimes they're both. Sometimes relationships are healthy, unhealthy. We're human beings with a myriad of emotions, with a myriad of all of these things. So something I hear a lot in mentoring, how do you spot the red flags? And I don't think that there's a cookie cutter answer because <laughs> we're dealing with complex humans. But yeah, I would just love for you to maybe any insight you might have around that conversation. Yeah. Wow. That is a really powerful conversation. I wish I, know. I wish if you and I could figure that out, we would never have to work another day in our life, right? <laughs> so here, here's- We'd be rich. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So here's the thing from where I sit for what it's worth. We are all in human school. And there's none of us walking the face of the earth that's all good or all bad. We are complex human beings, and most of us are doing our very best, even when we are doing damage to ourselves or to others in some way, shape, or form. We're doing what we know to do. Now, having said that, I believe in the power of healing, and I believe people are invited to be accountable for their mess and to heal and to do the courageous work so they can step out of those patterns. I really believe it. I see it every day. I am surrounded by miracles. People who are being risen, just rising up from a really dark pit. I don't believe there's any way to completely know whether or not we're making the right decision in a relationship. Now, there are certainly really clear flags. And if those flags are there where somebody has an addiction, when there is violence, when there is verbal abuse, I do believe it's important not to paint the red flags pink. And this is where we have to step aside from thinking that dating, to use your term, I love it, is missionary work, because that is not going to change until that person is ready to heal. Those are the really clear red flags. And there were times in my life, honestly, Katie, and I think this is so important for people to know, that I didn't pay attention to those red flags, where I really did think, I can make a huge difference here. Now, I think it's really important for us to have grace for ourselves, because we do make mistakes in relationships. And when it's time to walk away, it's also important to have grace for that other person, because they're struggling too. And that doesn't mean that we stay and have tea with them. Again, to the girls out there who are in violent relationships or are in addictive relationships. And I know there's a lot of them. You do not have to stay to prove your worthiness or to prove your love, that it's okay to walk away and to do that with tremendous compassion for yourself and to not let your compassion for the other person keep you stuck. You have such a um, beautiful story yourself. You said walking through recovery, correct? And then you were the caretaker for your husband with Alzheimer's? Yeah, I am telling you. I mean, God must really think I'm a badass. Can I say that word on here? Um, because the, the, <laughs> sure. because honestly, um, yeah, I have had a lot on my plate. And I don't, I yeah. personally do not believe that God creates anything that's dark or hard. I believe that God is all love, all goodness. I do believe, however, that he shows up in the darkness for us because this world is a hard place and it can throw some really difficult things at us. And there's God waiting to say, walk this way. And it's not easy. 
But yes, I was a caregiver to my husband who had early onset, rapidly progressing Alzheimer's. And we walked that journey for three years. You should write a book. Oh, wait, you did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I talk a little bit about it in there, especially toward the end um, and as the epilogue. And I was writing this book while I was his caregiver. And also I was raising my son. So there was a lot going on while we were dealing with this thief of a disease, you know, that just really takes so much. Um, I think God is right. You're, you are a badass. (laughs) (laughs) I've certainly learned a lot in the process. And one of the things I've learned, honestly, Katie, and this is not Pollyanna because I'm really not a fan of toxic positivity at all. I think it's damaging. And yet God was there every step of the way. I mean, that connection to God held no matter what I was walking through. I love that. Well, you have given us a wealth of information and we're going to make sure we link the book, your social media, all of that goodness so we can continue to learn from you and all of that. But I want to ask you a million dollar question that I ask all of our guests before we let them go. And that is, if you could have coffee with your 20-year-old self, what would you say? Oh, this is going to make me cry. Um, I think I'd say to her, you know, life is messy. Proceed with grace. Do not be afraid. You know, God walks before you and just tap into that grace. I love it. Grace. Look at all the notes I took from our little chat right here. (laughs) Well, what a pleasure to connect with you. I hope to continue to stay on touch through social media, but um, I love this conversation and I cannot wait to share it with our listeners. Oh, Katie, what a pleasure. Thank you. Loved it. If you enjoyed this episode, sharing is caring. I would love for you to simply take a screenshot from wherever you're listening and share it on social. You can tag me at Katie Bulmer Life or just text it to a friend. Say, hey, I enjoyed this episode and I think that you will too. The biggest compliment you can give is sharing a review on iTunes that really helps other young women to find this podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for spending some time with me in your earbuds, and I hope that you gain some truths for your 20s.